All right, well, good afternoon again. Well, since um, several people here, you know, you have your own businesses, uh, some of you here, uh, I wanted to ask, what does it mean to be a, or to have a professional business? There's several things that you would probably would, would keep in mind here, like, like if you hire a professional business, you hope the person that you hire knows what he's doing. <laughs> that, that's one good attribute there. And we've all had, you know, bad experiences and good experience when it comes to hiring a professional or what we thought was a professional. You know, sometimes I, you know, working on construction sites, one of the things that drives me crazy is I will see, you know, the outside heat pump unit. I don't know what it is, but on about 90% of the homes I work on, which are new construction, that unit is always crooked. It's like it's just, you know, it's, I'm thinking, what would it take just to, for the guys to set a level on it and make sure that unit is upright? I've noticed that a lot because I'm around new construction a lot, and that's one of the first things. I'm working, you know, on the wall, and I'll look, and I think, either that home is crooked or that, that heat pump is just sitting crooked. Of course, I think in some cases, maybe it was set straight up, and then the ground sort of settled, maybe. But I've noticed that a lot. So maybe that's one bad experience when it comes to dealing with professional, a professional business. I was at Lowe's back in the summertime, and now this was a positive experience, and I asked the guy that works there, I said, I want an ice cream maker. I want to buy an ice cream maker. And he said, well, we don't have them here. He said, let me see what I can do. And he got on the phone, and he started calling around to different places. Now, he took the time to do this. And he called, uh, eventually he called Tractor Supply, and he said, oh yeah, just right down the road at Tractor Supply, they have an ice cream maker that you can buy. And I thought, man, you talk about a professional here. Here's a guy, you know, he, he went out of his way, find an ice cream maker. It wasn't even at his store. I thought, man, this is a beautiful example of, of going, you know, the extra mile, which is something maybe we would think, okay, a professional business to go out of your way to, to help, you know, this person. There's other things we look at when it comes to being a professional business. We might look at honesty, integrity, hard work, uh, even appearance. You know, I've had guys over at my home to fix things, and I'm thinking, I don't even know if I want to let that guy in my home or not. I mean, he looks sort of shabby looking, and, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if I trust the guy or not. So even something as, 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 as simplistic as appearance is important. When I went to, many years ago, we went to York, Pennsylvania to the Harley shop where they make Harley Davidsons. And that was, that was a positive experience because everything is neat and clean and they, you take a tour of the factory and how the bikes are made and then, of course, the end results is that beautiful Harley Davidson motorcycle, that fancy paint job and all that chrome and, you know, they're, they really stress on, you know, the way the whole factory, the bikes and everything, you know, the appearance of things. Another thing we might look at a professional business is teamwork. You know, that's important, teamwork, because um, I've been on construction sites where it was obvious that the guys, you know, they're fussing at each other, they're cursing each other, they're not getting along at all. It's always an ugly thing to see that when you've got a, a business out there, but they don't get along with one another. Uh, humility might be another thing when it comes to a professional business. You know, not, not a, now I know you're supposed to know what you're doing. Your, uh, your, your specialty 
it's important to know what you're doing. But you don't have to know it all. You know, I know it all is always a big turnoff to me. You know, you got a guy fixing your roof and he starts to tell you how to plant your garden and prune your, your pear tree or something like that. And you're like, why is he telling me this? And so, yeah, you should know your occupation, but, you know, humility, that, that you don't, you know your occupation, but you don't have to know it all, everything about life. Another thing, a professional business, I think, would be a, a joy to be around. You're a person, you're a joy to be around. I think that's easy to overlook. You know, are you enjoying what you're doing? At the feast this year, uh, Chris came up to me and said, after the sermon, he said, did you enjoy that? And it sort of caught me off guard, you know. Uh, but his point was, you know, if you're serving, whatever your service is, you should enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, maybe it's time to check out, you know, to do something different. If you're not enjoying your work. Even if you have to pretend like you're enjoying it. Now, okay, professional business, whatever. Okay, 70 to 80%, I heard this statistic once, uh, of Americans claim some type of commitment to Christ or to be a Christian. I don't know how many Christians there are in the world or in America. You ever had a person tell you they're a Christian? You know, I've had that happen. I'm a Christian. Of course, my mother used to say, run like hell in the opposite direction. And <laughs> when, <laughs> if someone has to tell you that. That was her advice, you know, and she's my mother. I have to listen to it, you know. Uh, in Acts, I'll just give you a reference here, Acts 11 and verse 26. It says, then the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The disciples were, first, were called Christians first in Antioch. And, and the, you know, the word means a follower of Christ. That's where the word comes from. It's someone who follows Christ. That's Acts 11 and verse 26 toward the end of the, that verse. Now, what I want to focus on today is what is, what would you call, what would a, a professional Christian look like? You know, we're talking about professional businesses and what that would be like. Well, what would a professional Christian, what would be some of the attributes of a professional Christian? There are all kinds of Christians in the world. I guess there's not many professional Christians. <laughs> there was a Something Rebecca told me about it was called the 10,000-hour rule or law or something like that, although I looked it up recently, and it's being debated now. But it was a guy who came out with this, this concept. If you spend 10,000 hours doing something, you'll pretty much be a professional at it, 10,000 hours. But uh, what they were debating was it, is that it takes more than just practice. You know, sometimes there's natural talent that goes with, you know, just because. But, but again, but that's a lot of hours. 10,000 hours of doing something, and you'll be considered very good or a professional at it. So, um, obviously, when you first come into the church, you're first baptized, you, couldn't, you wouldn't really call yourself a professional Christian because it's going to take some time. Now, how many years is 10,000 hours, by the way? Does anybody know? Five years? Five years. Yeah, did you figure that up in your head, or did you know it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a natural talent right there <laughs> you figured that right out yeah, okay, okay yeah so that's five years five years of doing something hmm that's 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 interesting now i think often we identify christians by you know it's almost like we identify them by their doctrines you know and i'm not sure i don't want to go in that direction today because you can have all your doctrines right and, and your heart still not really be changed, you know, just because doctrine in and of itself does not change a man's heart. And we know that by the example, let's say, of the Pharisees where, they, you know, they had their doctrines right, but their heart wasn't right. So just because, now, now I do believe this, that truth 
can reveal a person's heart if you're always rejecting the truth and saying, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that, God. Uh, I'm not doing that either. And I'm not, You know, truth can re- reveal a person's heart where, where that heart is at. But just because, you know, we got all of our doctrines right, someone, one minister said, doctrine is not where it's at. I always like that statement. Doctrine is not where it's at. So we can, I think in God's church, it's probably good for us to at least consider this, that, that just because you've, you've got your doctrines right doesn't mean that your heart is right with God. All right, what would make a professional Christian? Well, one thing we've discovered, it would take time, time to become a professional Christian. And sometimes we can be judgmental and, we, you know, I can't believe that person did that. that, that that's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. Uh, well, maybe the person hasn't had enough time to become a professional at it. <laughs> okay, defining the professional. That's sort of a definition here of what a professional is. Now, I like this definition. It says, a calling, notice that, a calling requiring specialized knowledge and often long and intensive uh, academic preparation. Notice that. It refers to a professional as, first of all, a calling. Now, that, that's, that's something we can relate to as we talk about this subject of a professional Christian. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. I'm going to read that one. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. What are some of the attributes of a professional Christian? Well, okay, a calling. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26. It says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And it goes on to say that God has called, you know, the ones that God has actually called, you know, he uses this sort of a, this this explanation of, of the type of people that God calls. And sometimes we look at that list and we say, I don't like, you know, that's not very good things to be, you know, the weak, the base, you know, all that is the type of people that God called. But anyway, it says, you see, so a, you see your calling. So a professional Christian uh, must be called, first point. Second one is specialized knowledge. Now, let me read it again. Definition of a professional, a calling requiring specialized knowledge. First and foremost, professionals are known for their specialized knowledge. They really are. They make a deep personal commitment to develop and improve their skills. So, you know, when God called you, He definitely started to reveal what I would call specialized knowledge, you know, about Christ, about God, about, about many things. And I think sometimes trying to be honest here, that we are ashamed because the knowledge part goes against, it's sort of counter to the world's religion, you know. It's different than, you know, all of a sudden we realize we have this specialized knowledge that God has given us. It's, it's, it goes contrary or counter to the world's religion. You know, my, my beliefs are in opposition to everything I hear around me, and there seems to be no middle ground that I can reach here. And we struggle with that. We struggle with that. But, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 7, it talks about a group of people that maybe we should try to minister to. It says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, maybe, now I know that's sort of talking about a rebel group of people here, but a lot of people fit into that category. They have a desire, maybe, uh, to, to learn more. And they're always studying, they're always learning, but they just can't seem to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, to be able to help these people is important to be able to help these people with that specialized, professional, you know, knowledge, 
specialized knowledge that you have. So, what is a professional Christian? Well, we've got sort of a, a definition here, and it requires a calling, uh, requiring specialized knowledge. Professionals are known for their specialized knowledge. They make a deep and personal commitment to develop and improve their skills, and that's something through Bible study that we should be working on. Now, <clears throat> so I want to look at some attributes of a professional Christian. All right, number one, very selective when it comes to relationships. Very selective. Okay, attributes of a professional Christian. Very selective when it comes to relationships. You know, God is selective. You ever notice that? God is the very fact that he's calling a first fruit. He didn't call everybody at this time, did he? He called you. So I would say God is very selective when it comes to relationships. The work that we do. Nathan, a friend of ours, he's always, you know, he's kidding and kidding around with the other guys and he'll, he'll do like a, a Donald Trump thing, you know, with the apprentice. If someone does something wrong, he'll say, you're fired, you know. <laughs> we, we, we kid about that. You know, one of the things that, that show the apprentice is, is in any business and the whole concept of, you know, okay, you're fired, you don't tolerate, in order to develop a business, it's for your own benefit that you don't tolerate, you know, weaknesses and people's inadequacy. It's an elimination process because, I mean, they're going to be working for you, you know. So through an elimination process, you're fired. You've got this inadequacy. You've got this weakness. We can't, you know, that's not going to build the company up. So I'm, I'm sort of using that as an example of you're the body of Christ. You're, you're the temple that you're building up. So I think, you know, you, that one of the attributes of a, a professional Christian is that very selective when it comes to relationships. Ephesians 5 and verse 11. Let's turn there. Ephesians 5 and verse 11. You know, if you were one of the people that was maybe had gotten fired by Donald Trump, it's doubtful you would say, well, that guy sure is a nice guy. You know, it's doubtful you would say, uh, well, you know, because of my inadequacies, inadequacies and my weakness, I got fired. No, you'd probably lash out and say, I can't stand that guy. Uh, <laughs> we, we rarely admit these things to ourselves. Okay, Ephesians 5 and verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So we're, you know, we're looking at, okay, very selective when it comes to relationships. I, I, I tell you what I think. I think about how many people are stuck in bad relationships with other people. A lot of people are. You know, a lot of people. Now, how do you get stuck in a bad relationship with another person? Let me tell you how. Nice. You're just, you're nice to, you know, a big smile on your face. Hey, how you doing? You know, let me, let me listen to you. Let me talk to you. Let me listen to your every complaint, your everything. You know, and that's how we get stuck in, in um, relationships with people. Sometimes that in the end can cause us great heartache. It's what I call parasitical relationships. You know, they're parasites. They feed off of you. And they often waste your time, drag you down, bring you down, and don't build up your spirit. And, and the, I think the way we get into these parasitical relationships is, is being too nice. Now, am I saying there's something wrong with being nice? No. What I'm saying is, in developing relationships, you need to be professional up front. Don't let your guard down. Be professional. You know, professional, what do I mean? It's like, how you doing? Uh, how can I help you? What do you want? You'd be surprised at the people that come into your life that don't want anything. Because they're not doing anything. They never have done anything. And they will not do anything for the rest of their life. So, you know, what I call parasitical time wasters. Uh, and those people, if you let those people attach to you, you will go to your grave, and when you're buried in that casket, they'll be attached to you. 
You never get rid of them. You never get rid of those people. So what I'm saying is, you know, in, instead of just nice and inviting everybody into your life, you, you, you put up a front of a professional person. Once you realize I can let this person, you know, you can let your guard down a little bit. And, and if you like the person, if the person's not going to just waste your time, if the person's not a parasitical type of person, you know, you can, you can let your guard down and, and allow that person to come closer to you. But I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's critical. I think uh, how many young girls have gotten themselves into bad relationships because they were nice. Big smile. How are you doing? Listening and talking and right. You know, and if you, you know, first of all, you want to ask the guy, what do you want? Uh, he'll never be honest, but, uh, <laughs> but it's a good start. <clears throat> but, you know, professional first. Then once you see you can trust the person, you can sort of let that guard down. You know, there was a guy that uh, sometimes comes over to our home and I was sort of, I had my guard down. I was in my garage drinking a beer. I got my refrigerator that keeps beer at perfect temperature, <laughs> icy cold. And, you know, and you got to watch this. Uh, you know, my guard was, I was trying to relax. I mean, you think you can relax, relax at home. Surely you can relax and let your guard down when you get home. And I almost made the mistake of offering this guy a beer. Almost, but didn't. Had I offered him a beer, the guy would have been a permanent fixture at my home. <laughs> I know that. I know that. So I'm just saying, even when you're off guard and you're at home and you're thinking, I can let my guard down. No, you want to keep that professional stance, you know, even when you're caught off guard, you know, and because, you know, you can allow these relationships to develop. And, uh, you know, here's the, your calling involves something God wants you to do. And you'll never accomplish that something if you've got 20 parasites dragging you down, feeding off of you, wasting your time. In the work that I did for 25 years as masonry work, most of the time I worked by myself. And there was a reason. Believe me, masonry work, you need help. You need help. It's hard work. But I chose probably 95%, and I'm still this way, 95% of the time to work by myself. Because I, I just, the humoring of people, the listening to the corny jokes, the the vulgarity, the, really, you got another DUI, how about that, that's great, you got, you got yourself thrown in jail again, you know, you know all the stuff you got to listen to, it's just, I just can't, you know, I chose to work by myself, because I can't, my, my spirit, at least for me, can be drugged down very quickly by negative relationships, and I try to avoid them, and, I, and that's, you know, People think I'm, a, I'm, I'm, non, uh, you know, I'm not a people person. Well, that's true. I'm not a people person. Uh, you have to be selective in, the, in this area. Selective. Attributes of a professional Christian, I think, is very selective when it comes to relationship because God is. God is very selective, and you are the temple of God, and you've got to beware of what can tear that temple down. And often it can be bad relationships. And sometimes it never dawns on us, I don't have to let this person in. You know, I don't have to have this. I don't have to have this. But we like to be nice. <laughs> so I'm not saying don't be nice. I'm saying be professional. Once you see you can trust the person, you can invite the person closer to you. All right, attributes of a professional, uh, professional Christian. This second one is, what I, is individuality. 
Galatians 6 and verse 3. Galatians 6 and verse 3. Individuality. Galatians 6 and verse 3. <clears throat> Galatians 6 and verse 3. And we're going to read 3 and 4. Galatians 6 and verse 3. For if a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. That's a powerful scripture. You know, I mean, he'll rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Individuality should be identified by performance, not appearance. There's a very ugly thing that happens when you're a teenager, and that is often individuality is identified by appearance, how you look. And you see people doing really stupid things like earrings, nose, ears hanging, you know, all this uh, tattoos, um, orange hair, mohawk, you know. It's, it's, a, it's almost like a disease, but individuality is, is identified by the way you look. And there's nothing more sillier than that when you think about it. Individuality is identified by performance. You know, in, in sports, football players, they all wear the same uniform. Other than their number, you can't tell the difference. But their individuality is identified by performance, how they perform. And that's a critical thing to, to I think, that something that we need to t keep in heart. Uh, what is your performance? How do you perform? What do you produce? What do you produce? Uh, individuality, attributes of a professional Christian. Number three, self-regulated. Self-regulated. Proverbs 6 and verse 6. I've used this verse a lot of times, but it's, it's, it's a powerful concept. One that transcends into a work relationship, relationship with God, and in many areas here. Proverbs 6 and verse 6, self-regulated, attributes of a professional Christian, self-regulated. Uh, Proverbs 6 and verse 6, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. I guess the point I'm making here is the greater authority in your life is not your boss. Your boss could be wrong. It's not your organization. Your organization could be wrong. It's not your church. Your church could be wrong. It's not your institution. It's not your college. It's not your school. The greater authority is the leadership of the Spirit of God inside of you. That's the greater authority. You know, that, that verse, okay, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. The guide, overseer, or ruler should be the Spirit of God. Also, I think that verse 8 is important, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. You know, here you're talking about self-preparation. You know, that saying, if it wasn't for the last minute, I, I wouldn't get anything done. Uh, you know, you cannot put off everything to the last minute. Here we're reading about self-preparation. You know, thinking about it, preparing, what's coming tomorrow? What do I need to do? What, what's the winter going to be like? What's the economy? No, we don't even want to go there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, what will tomorrow be like? Uh, how can I prepare? Because you see here, the ant prepares the meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. All right, attributes of a prof professional Christian, faith and trust in God without self-condemnation. Now, why would I say that? Well, you know, the verse says, uh, the Bible says, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Self-condemnation is something that sometimes we gets a hold of us. Look at Romans 14 and verse 22. Let's, let's turn to that scripture. Romans 14 and verse 22. Romans 14 and verse 22. Faith and trust in God without self-condemnation. -con if you have the Spirit of God, there is no condemnation. 
you can, by the grace of God, be forgiven and get on with your life. It says, Romans 14, verse 22, Have you faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he alloweth. You know, sometimes we struggle. Am I doing this? You know, I'm doing this, and I'm not absolutely sure if it's right or if it's the right direction. Sometimes we question it. We don't always know. You know, it'd be great if God would just say, go in this direction, do this. But that's not how it works. So am I, you know, I'm doing this, and I'm not absolutely sure if it's right or the right direction. But, you know, the bottom line is this. You cannot go through your whole life second-guessing everything that you do. You just can't. It will tear you to bits and pieces. If it's wrong, God will correct you. Uh, And it's possible God could say, I allowed you to go in the wrong direction to teach you a lesson. That's possible. It's possible. So the attributes of a professional Christian have faith. Have it to yourself before God because he's the one you answer to. Happy is he that condemns not himself in the thing which he allows. All right, attributes of a professional Christian. Number five, a pure mind. A pure mind. The way you think, the way I think. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Let's turn there. Philippians 4 and verse 8. You know, the mind is, we all come together and we're, we've got this outward facade. and We look different and we're dressed different, but, you know, we don't know what each other's thinking about. We don't know. We can't see that. I once did a little, I, I forget, it was a, some type of weird video clip that I did, uh, something I was trying out many years ago, theatrical thing where I, I had this camera called God's camera. If you stand it, it was a church a camera at church, and if you stood in front of it, it would read your mind. <laughs> and it put it up on the screen, <laughs> what you've been thinking for the past week. Uh, <laughs> and most people, you know, they were embarrassed and had to walk out with their head, head down. But we can't do that. But notice, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, I, I'm probably as guilty as the next person, but if, I, if you look at your music, you look at your entertainment, do they fit this model? Because you look at the model, whatever is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue. I forget, you know, someone said Hollywood, it's the exact opposite of that. You just reverse those words. <laughs> Whatever is ugly and disgusting and filthy and vile and vulgar and pornographic. So true. But again, you know, we need to evaluate our own selves. All right. The last one, the attribute of a professional Christian, is, de- is number six, is dependency on God. To be dependent on God. Now, I think... One of the evils in our society today is that government has taken the place of God. Why would you depend on God? You depend on God, you know, you depend on the government for everything. That's, that's the mindset that people have today. You know, you, government has taken the place of God. You have Obamacare, but then you have Godcare, which is... <laughs> uh, let's take a look at Godcare here. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 7. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eyes was not dim, nor his natural force abated. He didn't become frail. He didn't lose his eyesight. Didn't lose his hearing. Didn't, you know, (laughs) I mean, this is, to me, this is sort of like, you know, maybe something we should be praying for. But God will take care of you. Drop back to Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5. 
Because this, is, it, this explains, I think, our dependency on God, and I want to illustrate why we don't have a tendency to depend on God. I think I mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5. And I have led you these 40 years in the wilderness, and your clothes are not wax old upon you, and your shoe is not wax old upon your foot. You know, and, and like I said, it was Ron Dart that said, you know, they looked at their leather and they said, man, I did a really great job at choosing the leather on this, these <laughs> shoes because they, they lasted 40 years. And, and we take the credit for it. But, you know, the small miracles in our lives we need to take note of. I mentioned that, you know, my car, it's, uh, it's like a miracle. It, it, just, it really is. It's never, I've never had any Freon put in the air conditioning. I've never had a starter replaced on it. Alternator, no. And it's 240 to 50,000 miles on. It just keeps on ticking, like the Energizer you know, battery or whatever. And, you know, it's easy to just say, well, well it's because I take care of it. But I, I, I wonder. And then my appliances. I talked about my appliances. They never wear out. 30-year-old appliances that will not break. What is going on there? Now, I think what happens is, is this. The reason we don't see these things is that there is so much to be desired and we don't even recognize God's provision because there's so much out there to be desired. you got to have this. You need this new car. You need this new... It would be like taking these, the children of Israel with their 40-year-old clothes and shoes and taking them, taking them through Macy's or Walmart. And they would begin to look and they'd say, What am I doing wearing these old raggedy... Well, they weren't raggedy, were they? They were they're just 40 years old. You know, but you think, What am I... I mean, I want all this new stuff. I want all this new stuff. So there, there's so much to be desired that we don't recognize God's provision. To conclude, the world is full of Christians. How many professional Christians would there be? And maybe we can work at and we can think about as a model, as an example to the world with all the people that are claiming to be Christian that we can be not just a, a, a Christian, but we can be professionals at being a Christian.